church down in Florida. And uh, while he was preaching, he used an expression uh, uh, two or three times. And every time he did, I kind of cringed as he used it. And um, I mentioned it to him afterwards and just by way of trying to be a help to him. And when I talked to him about it, he was absolutely mortified because he, he didn't realize the usage of that expression and, um, and what, it, what it implied or what it inferred. And when he realized what it was, he was so highly embarrassed and, and just apologized profusely. And he, he made it a point to never use that again in his preaching or in any, any conversation. And I say all that to say this, that since we're on the topic of our speech today, we're going to look at some other things uh, with regards to some stuff that you may or may not know or realize is speech that we need to avoid or be careful of. Uh, there are times that we use expressions, and we're just used to it. We don't realize that there's a connotation to it or uh, an attachment to it to things that would be ungodly or unholy. And uh, we've got to be so careful of these things. And uh, let's look in Luke chapter number 6. We want to see what the Bible has to say. I, I could certainly, uh, it would be easy for me to just go off and give you my views on it and my opinions on it. Uh, because I have some very strong ones with regards to this. But uh, I'd much rather see what the Bible has to say about it and follow what God tells us. And so we're going to make every attempt to do that today. Luke chapter number 6, if you will. And let's go to verse number 43. Luke chapter number 6 and verse number 43. Jesus is teaching here. And He says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure, notice this, of his what? We're going to see that phrase several times, or a reference to the heart, numerous times in Scripture today, and or the implication of it. And uh, I want you to keep that in mind, because that is a a huge issue in the area of some of these things that we'll be looking at today. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, what are the next three words? The mouth speaketh, all right? His mouth speaketh. And we've got to be so careful of the things that we say. We've, we've spent... Uh, last hour, dealing with, from a Christian perspective, how our, our speech ought to be gracious. It ought to be things that are for the use of edifying and encouraging, uh, helping to build others up, even, in, even when we are instructing, uh, to be, be careful, maybe not so much the content of it as much as the way that we go about saying it, the graciousness of it, the way that we are very careful of these things. Uh, but here we find that there is... Uh, Coming from a person uh, out of the abundance of their heart, if their heart is focused on things that are holy and, and right and pure and clean, then their speech is going to uh, reflect that. Um, now, I understand that there are sometimes we say things that are not necessarily from a corrupt heart, but because simply we don't realize that what we're saying is a corrupt thing. And so the purpose of the message today, and I'm going to give some examples today, I want you to bear with me on it, uh, is so that we understand, because sometimes it's just a matter of ignorance. We just don't know. 
There are times, though, that I think even uh, just the, uh, the fact that we have a corrupt nature about us, sometimes we still would maybe find ourselves doing these things. So look with me now, and, and uh, again, we're going to look in a lot of Scripture. You shouldn't have to hold your place anywhere uh, that I know of right now. But uh, let's go ahead and turn to James chapter number 1. <clears throat> James chapter number 1. James speaks a lot about um, the mouth, the tongue, um, and he, he brings some things to bear that I think are crucial, that are very, very important to us. James chapter number 1, and uh, let's look in verse number 26 to begin with. James chapter 1, in verse number 26, he introduces the idea, and then he goes on over in chapter 3, he kind of digs really, really deep into it. But in verse 26, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Uh, the idea of keeping our, our tongue and bridling our tongue, having control of it. This gives me the idea that even though sometimes it is done in ignorance, we need to be studying and learning so that we don't do it in ignorance. We need to know these things. And, uh, and you know, they, they say ignorance is bliss. As long as I didn't know I was doing wrong, it didn't convict me, it didn't bother me. And now, Pastor, you had to bring this up, so now it's, I don't have an excuse. I'm going to feel bad every time I hear that word or say that word. Um, but that's what the Bible is for. It's to help us to learn, to be instructed in these things. Because we don't want to be a reproach to the cause of Christ ignorantly. It's bad enough if we do it rebelliously and out of a heart just spurning God. But to do it ignorantly and without realizing we're doing it oftentimes is one of the most um, shameful things that I think um, that we, we, when, we, when we do come to that realization, we hang our heads realizing how much we had done that in the past. And we're like, why didn't somebody tell me about this? And so uh, we're, we're going to spend some time working on this a little bit today from God's Word. Look with me, if you will, also in James chapter 3. We're not going to go through the entire chapter, but I do want to once again bring uh, a, a verse that he brings out about this. And you can take time to read all of uh, James 3, which I think is a great, great chapter on the tongue. Um, verse number 10, James says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. Notice this, My brethren... These things ought not so to be. For a Christian to say, yeah, when I'm in the world, it's okay, and when I'm at church, I have a different speech, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. There should be something there. Uh, let's look in Philippians chapter number 4, and I'm going to start with uh, what should control. The, the Bible taught us very clearly in, in Luke chapter 6 and in other passages of Scripture, it deals with this same philosophy that out of the abundance of the heart, a man's mouth will speak. Um, and so why is it important that we are careful what goes into our heart? Because it will reflect in what we say. Look with me in Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Why is, why is it that Paul was so worried about what our thoughts were? Do you think maybe it was because Paul knew that out of the abundance of our heart, 
things would come out of our mouth. It also, out of the abundance of our heart, it, it controls the things that we do sometimes, the actions that we, we get involved in. Paul understood that the root of the matter, the heart of the matter, and over and over and over again, you'll find that the important thing that even Christ Himself emphasizes is not the outside of the man, but it's the heart. Because the heart is what controls what comes out of the man. The Bible's very, very clear on that. It's possible for a man to have a bad heart, an evil heart, and to do his best to outwardly portray goodness. But sooner or later it will show. So just because somebody does reflect outwardly a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that the heart is right, because you can fool some people some of the time. But it is impossible for the heart to be right and the outside of the cup be wrong. That is not a possibility. When the heart is right, the outside becomes clean. And we find here as we get to uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4, Paul says that these are things that our hearts ought to be focused on, things that are true things that are honest, things that are just, things that are, watch this one, pure. If we take that one alone, that's going, to, that's going to probably negate a large part of the things that we watch and the things that we hear by way of entertainment, by way of uh, computer, by way of uh, places we go for entertainment, by way of media, things that are pure. We are bombarded in a society that we live in today of impurity in the area of media. Uh, whether it be visual or audio, it's, it literally is, is and, and we, they, under the guise of, of um, freedom of speech, we have allowed absolute filth to come across our, our uh, radio and television waves and to enter into the homes of our people. And uh, Paul says, think on things that are pure. Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that are of a good report. You know the psalmist wrote this, and I, I didn't bring the reference with me, but you can look it up in Scripture. The Bible says that he that loveth evil, his soul hateth. The idea that we, we, we love the things that are evil, or we crave to see things that are evil or wicked. Um, you know, there are times in, in certain times of the year people like to be scared uh, by watching uh, horror movies or things that are, are uh, uh, things that would scare them, go to haunted houses and different things like that. Why? It shouldn't even be named among a Christian. It's not pure. It's not lovely. It's not something that we ought to be thinking on. Uh, why we try to go to these forms of entertainment, I don't understand. And uh, something that we need to be so, so careful about. And I'm not trying to meddle here. I'm trying to show some principles from God's Word and make application to them in our lives. Because sometimes we're, we're just, we don't give thought to it. We, we understand the truth of it, but we don't realize that what we're doing in some cases is in opposition to what the Bible teaches and, uh, again, I'm not, not trying to be mean-spirited or hard other than to just say these are things the Bible tells us our hearts ought to reflect on. These are things our hearts uh, ought to be something uh, that we uh, look to. Look with me, and again, Ephesians chapter 4, we read it in our last uh, hour. We find that there were uh, six things given in Philippians 4 that we just read. True, is it, is it true? And these are things we ought to ask ourselves. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely, the things I'm thinking about, the things I'm allowing to enter into my mind? Is it of a good report? And according to Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Is it kind? Is it tenderhearted? Is it forgiving? If it doesn't meet the criteria of what Scripture says as Christians we ought to be thinking on, then let's avoid it. 
Let's not put it in, in our presence. If it's an area of weakness to us, if the flesh nature just craves that stuff and we just we love it, we want to go to it, then, then get it away from you. Uh, get it as far away from you as you can if you realize it's an area of weakness. And let's put our minds on the things of the Lord. If you say, well, Pastor, I can't find anything out there that's good and true and wholesome and pure and just and honest. We can do a little reading. We still do that. Hopefully you learned in school. It doesn't all have to be video. It doesn't all have to be audio. We can read. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of purity in this book. There's a lot of truth in this book. And so I want to try to encourage us in a few things here this afternoon with those, those kind of underlying uh, truths from Scripture uh, kind of as the foundation that we're going to build on top of. So these are the things that ought to fill our hearts. And when those things fill our hearts, it will change what comes out of our mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, right, his mouth speaketh. We say, Pastor, I, it just slipped. I understand, and there are times, and I've had preachers that I've gone to visit that were saved out of a sinful life. I've gone to visit in the hospital when they were under anesthesia. And I went in, there's one, one fellow in particular, and he was cussing up a storm while he was under that influence, because that, that was something that came out. I didn't look at that and say that was his heart, okay? That wasn't the abundance of his heart that was speaking there. That was something that is from his past life because of the medication. But the heart makes the difference. In fact, there are words that uh, are not wrong in and of themselves. But the way that we use those words can make a difference whether they are right or wrong. For instance... When I am teaching or preaching, I can use the word God. I can call Him by name. I can talk about Him. I can read Him from Scripture. But there is a usage of that word when I come out into the world and I use it as an exclamation and as something that I'm, uh, I'm putting with something other that is taking His name in vain. Does that mean the word God is wrong? No, not the word. The usage of the word. What, what am I trying to convey with it, with my presentation from my heart? Um, the word hell. I preach on hell. I teach on it. The Bible uses that word. Uh, I, I don't have a problem using the word hell. It's a real place. But there is a usage of that word that certainly is not of a spiritual nature and is not the way it was intended to be used. It's been corrupted by the sinfulness of man. And because of the intent of the heart... We use it. And even Christian people, I've heard Christian people use it in the way that it is cursing and say, well, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Not that hard issue, isn't And saying it's right. Uh, there are, are words that refer to uh, a donkey in the Bible. We would read it in Scripture. I have no problem reading the word ass in the Bible because that's the usage of it. But there is certainly another meaning to that word. There are a couple of meanings to that word. And if they are used in that sense, they are wrong. They are not pure. They are not lovely. They are not of a good report. They are not just. And so we refrain from those things. Uh, there are several questions that I wrote down just based on some principles that I have found in these verses that we've read. There are some questions that I have written down that I think uh, beg to be answered when it comes to our language. One of the questions that I have written down here is this. Does the usage of this word directly or indirectly 
take God's name in vain. Using again the word God in Scripture or in talking about Him with others is not wrong in and of itself. But there is a way that we can express that word and take it in vain. And when I say directly or indirectly, because there are replacement words that we as God's people have tried to come up with so that we can still do it without doing it. Such as the word G-O-S-H. G-O-L-L-Y. And some of us think, oh, those are little words that uh, old Gomer Pyle used to use, you know. Uh, Those are innocent words. Well, they are replacements of taking God's name in vain. And the intent of our expression of that word is no less innocent than taking God's name in vain itself. Uh, The second question that I wrote down is, what am I trying to express when I say this word? I think that's crucial. We've got to be careful how we're using some of these words. Um, years ago, uh, they used the word G-E-E, and usually followed by the word whiz or something like that. And they thought, oh, this is a wholesome word. But again, it is a replacement for the word Jesus. And in the way that it is used, oftentimes, it is used as a euphemism and as an expression of taking his name in vain. Uh, we've got to be careful of those things. Even the, even the implications. Now, these are words that we've known uh, and probably many times used. Um, we, again, try to excuse. Maybe we won't use the word uh, H-E-L-L, hell, in a, in a bad context. But what about the word H-E-C-K? It's a replacement of it. We, we know what we mean when we're saying that. The Bible talks about a double-minded man being unstable in all his ways. The idea of, uh, and it, it, it actually condemns in Proverbs, it, it condemns men that say one thing but mean another. It talks about how foolish that is and how wicked that is. We've got to be careful that we don't use the quote-unquote, I'm going to use this expression a few times, that we don't use the quote-unquote, I hate to even use this expression, but they use it this way, Christian cuss words. They aren't Christian. They're whitewashed cuss words at best, and they're still cuss words. And again, you say, well, Pastor, I, didn't, I never knew this stuff. And again, I'm not here to, to, to browbeat you. I'm not here to put you under my thumb and say, boy, you've done something wrong. I'm here to help you know and be aware that these are things that ought not be so. These are things that ought not be named among a Christian. Uh, the, the curse words themselves ought not be used. Of course, that, that goes without saying. And some people say, well, that word's not a curse word in another language or another country. Uh, But again, it comes back to the usage in the heart. What am I trying to say by that? The word D-A-M-N is in Scripture. It's not not wrong to say it in the context of Scripture and to talk about it. And, And the word damn in Scripture or damnation literally means to uh, desire someone to be perishing in hell. That's what that word means. It doesn't just mean uh, to die, but it means to literally condemn them to an eternity in hell. So when we use that phrase, G-O-D-D-A-M-N, you or it, what are we saying? Something that's pure? No. How about something that's lovely? No. Something that's kind? Doesn't fit that requirement, does it? 
How about something that's tender-hearted? Doesn't fit that role, does it? Then, then it doesn't need to be said. It's sinful and it is wrong. It's something that needs to be dealt with. And uh, what about if we use G-O-S-H-D-A-R-N? We know what we're saying, don't we, when we say those two words. Oh, but I didn't say them, Brother Greg. I said these words. But we understand the intent. And that's the reason for the second question. What am I trying to express when I say it? I may not be saying those exact words, but is what I'm saying implying or inferring those words? I think that's very, very important. Number three, what is the common usage of it in today's society? There are words that we find in our old King James Bible that were not bad words in the day. But today, in the day that we live, they are. They're misused. They're used to speak of vulgarity. They're used to speak of things that are unclean, things that are worldly, things that are fleshly. Look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And uh, let's read the first four verses together. Paul says this, Be followers of God as dear children, and walk in what? Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. I wonder if some of our language is very sweet-smelling in the sight of God, or is it a stench? But fornication, and how much uncleanness? All uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. This isn't to be associated with saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. This, this filthiness, this foolish talking, this, this jesting, this, these, these innuendos, jokes that are off-colored, words that are... Uh, I, I was in the back of a, a church... Uh, building, shaking hands with folks after a high school commencement. We had a guest speaker, preacher, a preacher, come in from out of town and uh, had preached our commencement service. And I was standing in the back in the vestibule uh, with him in the back, and he, he leaned over to me when there was a break in the shaking of hands. And he asked me a question, and I could tell by the way he asked it that it was a joke, and he was getting ready to give a punchline, and I didn't know what the answer to it was, and I said, no what? And he gave the punchline, and it was one of the most vulgar jokes I think I'd ever heard in my life. And I confronted him on it. I said, brother, that ought not even come out of our mouth. I didn't, I didn't need to think those things. He put something in my heart that I don't need to be thinking about. And, and, and I told him such. I, I said, brother, especially as a preacher, why would we do this? And so I say that to say this, that every single one of us, I'm not standing up here saying that this isn't, an issue I have to be careful with as a preacher. All of us do. Every single one of us have to be careful because of the filthiness, the, the, the words that can come out of our mouths. Uh, the, the next question I have in here is what inference does it make? If I'm using a euphemism, if I'm using a substitutionary word, uh, what does it mean? What is it, what is it in reference to? Number five I put down here, does it benefit others who hear it? Is it going to be edifying to them? Is it going to help them? And then the last one I have is here, how is this going to affect my testimony among the lost? If the world hears me say these things and they look at them as 
uh, words that are unclean, words that are uh, un- not to be spoken, how does that affect my testimony as a Christian before them? Oh, pastor, I'm just trying to relate to them. Well, you might have related to them, but you related the wrong thing to them. I'll tell you this, there, there, uh, there used to be a day when curse words were not said in front of women. Now you have women that will curse worse than, I hate to use this phrase, but it's the phrase that people use all the time, worse than sailors did. Uh, there was a time when, I, I remember a time when I was a young person, that I would be walking around with my dad going someplace in town to do business, and somebody that knew him was talking with him in conversation, and they would let a curse word slip, and they would get embarrassed because it was, it was in front of the preacher. Oh, Pastor, I'm so sorry. Man, I, I, that just slipped, Pastor. Nowadays, they'll come up to a pastor and just light into him. We, we've gotten so callous and used to it. And I'm not talking about just unsaved people. I'm talking about I've seen Christians. They get angry or upset about something, and they let it fly. I, I, I've seen them where they, 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 just, they don't even give you a thought to it. I wrote down a few of these that I think, again, maybe, maybe you've used them in the past. I don't know. But they are things that we have to be careful of because of what they represent. I already mentioned the word G-E-E or even G-E-E-S. Sometimes it's pronounced. And again, that's uh, taking Jesus' name in vain. That's the replacement word for that. D-A-R-N. Again, we've talked about that. Uh, I would even say, I've heard people say the word doggone it. D-O-G-O-N-I-T. And again, that phrase, what are we saying by that? We know exactly what those words are referencing. I'm trying to be very careful here. I'm using them to try to instruct us, not to to be vulgar in the pulpit. Something that's uh, more modern, okay? A lot of these words we've grown up with. But what about things that are coined in the day that we live? Uh, Oh, my G-O-D has been a phrase in existence for so many years. And, and Christians shied away from that because they knew that was taking the Lord's name in vain. And yet they'll type OMG without any conscience. Why? Because, oh, that's the shorthand. I'm not really texting that, I'm just, or even saying that. I'm just using the shorthand for it. Uh, Got to be careful, folks. We don't, sometimes we do it without realizing. Uh <laughs> I'm going to say one here. This is a brand new one. Let's go and then a, a person's name that drives NASCAR. We've all seen what that means. So, okay, Pastor, I won't use that. I'll just write LGB. Well, it's the same thing. We know what that phrase means. We understand the vulgarity of it. You've got to be careful. The word F-R-E-A-K-I-N-G in, in reference to a very, very vulgar word. If you don't know, I'll tell you privately later. I'm not going to mention it from the pulpit even. But again, we understand. And folks, I'm not trying to be off color here. I'm saying I've heard this and I've seen this among God's people without conscience and sometimes without knowing and understanding what they're doing. Um, 
S-O-B, and what that represents. Again, is that, is that a lovely thing to say about someone? Is that a kind thing to say about someone? Especially if it's a brother or sister in, in Christ. The word C-R-A-P. Well, I don't understand anything wrong with that, Pastor. But what does it represent? What word does it use that we don't use? Because it's a, it's a curse word. It's something that in, in society, it's a vulgarity. S-H-U-C-K-S. Or K-S, I guess, depending on how you spell it. Uh, I, I, this is not an exhaustive list here, but in case you know this this young preacher friend of mine a few years ago I gave as an illustration at the beginning, folks he just didn't know. He used a word in in from the pulpit that was a euphemism for a very very vulgar word, and he just never knew it. He never knew that word was what that word meant. And when he found out, he was mortified by it. And so, again, these things are things that hopefully will be a help to us. Now, let's, let's take our Bibles. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture here in just a few short minutes. We've got about ten minutes. We'll look at as many of them as we can. And, again, uh, I can be negative about this stuff and say these are things we ought not to do. But, you know, they, they tell uh, people that work at banks the best way to learn how to tell a counterfeit bill is to handle real bills. And I don't know how much, I guess, Ms. Reed, you might know a little bit about that or something. I don't know, but I don't know the reality of that. But they've said that in order for somebody to, to be able to tell the difference is not to handle the counterfeit, but to handle the real thing. And I think the easiest way we can find to tell what's a counterfeit language is let's look at the real language that we ought to have. And if it doesn't fit that, then let's not have it. All right? So let's take a look at Scripture. Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to look at several in Proverbs here. Proverbs chapter 22. And verse number 1. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver or gold. You say, Pastor, what does that have to do with my speech? How does that reflect on your testimony? When people look at you and they see how your language is, do they look at you and say, well, that's a, that's a good person, that's somebody that that lives above reproach, that's a morally clean person, that's somebody that has purity in their life. How about chapter 21 in verse number 23? Again, Solomon writes these things. He's one of the wisest men to ever live. He says, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. The importance of the tongue. James developed, uh, uses an entire chapter of his fairly short book to deal with nothing more than the tongue in the speech. Look in chapter number 31 of uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 31, I think it is. And uh, I think i got the right passage there. And uh, verse number 26. Yes. Speaking of the virtuous woman, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Again, what should be coming out of our mouths? These are things that ought to be coming out of our mouths. A good tree doesn't send forth evil fruit. It's not going to have corrupt fruit in it. Look in Proverbs chapter number 15. Proverbs chapter number 15 and verse number 1. 
Proverbs 15 and verse number 1, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Again, careful of our speech. The importance of making sure that we are speaking rightly. Psalm, uh, and you don't have to turn there, but Psalm 19, I think it's verse number 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I've, I've quoted that verse, I don't know how many times, to teenagers over the years and even some adults that uh, I was trying to help with some of their speech. And the question I have when I read that passage is, can I say what I just said if I were standing face to face with God? Could I say that in front of Him and not be ashamed and not be embarrassed? Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my words of my mouth, and meditation of my heart, words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, <laughs> words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Can God put His stamp of approval on what we say? Uh, look in Proverbs chapter number eleven, verse number nine. Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 9. <clears throat> An hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. And so again, uh, there is damage that we can cause if we're not careful about what we say. I look at the, I look at the, the cause of Christ, and I look at the testimony of believers, and I, I'm appalled... I, there's a movement in, in some of the seeker-friendly churches today of preachers more and more using the words in a curse environment from the pulpit. And their argument, is, they, they take it from 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 8, where they, they hold to the fact that this is a way for them to become all things uh, so that they can reach these people. They can relate to them and they, they need to get on their level. And so they literally, they don't use just the, the words in Scripture. They use them in a cursing format. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 8. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that is of a perverse what? Heart shall be despised. How do you know he's got a perverse heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaking, is, is, are his words perverse? Then he's got a perverse heart. Proverbs chapter number 16, or, uh, let's go down to verse number 25. Stay in chapter 12 for a minute, go down to verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. A good word. Proverbs 12 and verse number 25. Alright, Proverbs chapter 16. And I just got two more passages here and we'll be done. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent. The sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. Great, great deal there with the heart and the lips, both in, in that particular passage and the importance of them. Uh, chapter number 16, let's go down to verse number 22. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. There is, there is wisdom to be had in teaching our mouth what to say. Uh, learning, always learning. I will say this, we can, we can focus on, we can work on, we can emphasize keeping our tongue 
And I'll be frank with you, we will battle it till the day we die because the tongue is, is, is a... The, James said it, it is set on fire of hell. I heard one preacher say it this way, it's set on fire of hell so much that God had to bathe it in water and put it between two ivory prisms so that before the words can even come out of our mouth, it has to pass by the bars of our teeth. That's how dangerous the tongue is. You can harm people with the tongue in ways that you could never harm them physically. You can harm your testimony as a Christian in ways that you could never harm by your actions. I want to encourage us in some things with regards to our speech. And, and, and I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to sit up here in a holier-than-thou type of a setting and say, well, you know, you're wicked because you use these words. I hope and I pray that any of these words that we've been using have been just out of ignorance, that, that we just didn't know and understand what they represented. But now that we know, <coughs> we stand at a crossroads to make a choice. Am I going to continue in the use of these? Or am I going to try to do according to the Scripture and keep my heart and my mouth and my tongue with all diligence? I'm going to do, do things in such a way that I'm feeding my heart things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are of a good report, things that are kind, uh, things that are edifying, things that are gracious? Or am I going to be feeding my heart things that will cause corruption to come out of my mouth? Again, the new man was created in righteousness and true holiness. And Luke said it shouldn't even once be named among us. I think he's or Paul said, no, Paul said it. It shouldn't even once be named among us as become of the saints. These things ought not to even have a part in our life. There ought to be such a, a disdain for them that we have an absolute separation from them. And uh, I want to encourage you in that. If, if it's something that you've been so in the habit of doing, I'm not saying there won't be a time that, you know, in a, in a rush of moment and before you can think, it'll slip out again. But every time it does, it ought to, it ought to stir our hearts and cause conviction to come. And ought to cause us to purpose even stronger. I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to keep my tongue with all diligence. Uh, folks, this, you say, that's, Pastor, that's such a, a frivolous matter. In the day we live, trying to reach the world that we're trying to reach, it is a crucial matter. It deals with our testimony. It deals with how we speak to folks. It's amazing. I had a friend of mine a number of years ago. His name's Brian Maloney. I shared this with a few folks about a year or so, a couple years ago, I guess, by way of illustration, I, I, sh I shared the gospel with Brother Brian. He was in his mid-40s and he got saved. And he owned his own roofing business. And uh, I don't, he, I'm sure he, do, he wouldn't mind me. I've shared this testimony with him in the auditorium, so I know he doesn't mind me sharing it. But he got saved and uh, had been coming to church for two or three weeks and was just soaking things up like a sponge. I, I had never preached in those two or three weeks uh, of him coming on, on things like this our speech and, and the things that we're talking about. <clears throat> he came to me one service. It was about three weeks, maybe four weeks after he got saved. And uh, he said, Pastor, I was up on the roof the other day, and he said, uh, I, I, and he, he carried one of those big hammers that, you know, you can hit one time and then sink it. 
you know, some of you guys that do hammers, you know what I'm talking about, the, the big, heavy ones. And uh, he said, I, I didn't get my thumb out of the way in time. And he said, I smashed it into my thumb and just popped and, you know, just, it was, it was bad. And uh, he said, it hurt. Man, I was like, oh, I was, you know, trying to hold it and everything. And he said, every, every guy in my work crew stopped working and looked at me like, like strange. And he said, he said, they, I, said I asked him, he said, what are you guys doing? And they said, what's wrong with you? And he said, I hit my thumb. And they said, no, we've seen you hit your thumb before. Usually, they said, you throw your hammer and start cursing up a storm. You haven't said a curse word in three weeks. He said, Pastor, I didn't even realize it. Why? Because the new man was created in righteousness and true holiness. And there was something different there. By the way, there ought to be something different. And um, you say, well, I try. Try harder. (laughs) Be diligent about it. It's that important uh, that we keep our language in check. We understand things. You say, well, I struggle with uh, still saying it. Then saturate, saturate your heart, your mind with things that are pure, things that are good, things that are wholesome. And there, if you're if you're watching things or listening to things, I, I was a couple years ago. I was uh, several years ago. I was in a van taking some teenagers on a trip, and uh, they started talking about a movie that they had watched. It was one I I had not heard of or anything. I guess a new one that had come out. And I said, guys, you know, we really ought not be talking about movies and things. I said, let's let's change the subject. And they said, oh, brother Greg, this is a good movie. It only had three or four curse words in it. And I was appalled. I pulled the van over. We stopped and had a Bible study for about 15 minutes. I'm not kidding. We did. And, but you know that that tells us the condition or the conditioning that the world has had on the minds of Christians. To think that one or two cuss words or three or four cuss words in a in a movie makes it a clean movie. Only one or two off-colored remarks. Innuendos, uh, sexually suggestive comments in a movie, nothing even seen, just comments that are made, make it a wholesome movie. That's, that's where we stand as Christians today. When we, and it's because there's such vulgarity and bad stuff out there that when we see something like that, we think, oh, that's a good one. But it's not. It still is not right. It still is sinful. It still has wrong things in it that we're feeding our heart with. And then we wonder why we can't control the tongue. Um, we've got to be careful, folks. We've got to be careful. I, I'm not sitting here telling you to go home and throw your TV out. I, I'm not saying that. But we do have to be careful. There was a preacher a couple of years ago got up and preached on stuff like this, and he challenged his people. He said, look, why don't you take your TV for a whole week, put it in the closet, see how, see how you do. And they came back to church the next week and said, how many of you did that? Only one person in the entire congregation raised his hand and said, we did. He said, how did it go? He said, well, it went fine, but it got awful crowded in that closet. Now, I say that in jest, and that's an illustration, but the truth is, even the ones that attempt to try to make an effort are still controlled oftentimes by the influence of the world. And as well-intentioned and as strongly as we purpose in our hearts to try to stay clean and not defile ourselves with the things of this world, the truth is 
we live in a society that we are going to be exposed to some of it. And we've got to be extra careful. We've got to be extra diligent. We've got to be extra cautious that we control our tongues and not let those things influence them. All right? I hope that will be a help to us. And, uh, again, I'm not doing it to offend anybody or make people think I'm mad. If you think I was preaching at you today, I don't know because I don't know who uses what language. So don't come knocking on my door saying, Pastor, were you talking about me today? <laughs> that was not the intent, okay? The intent was to help instruct us and hopefully tell us some things that maybe we didn't know uh, that might help us, all right? Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank you for your word, how it guides and directs us, how it helps us to understand these things. And, uh, Lord, guide us, I pray. May your Holy Spirit uh, have full and absolute control of our hearts and our minds, our thoughts. The things that we say, Lord, may he guide us, help us to have words that are seasoned with grace. Help us to have words that do not bring a reproach to you, but will glorify you, uplift you, and point men to you. We pray in Jesus' name that you'll dismiss us with your blessings. Amen. And I'm going to slip out the side door so I can get over to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really am going to slip out, though, folks. Thank you all for coming to you all, and I'll, I'll socialize next week.